your Locked On Penguins, your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, welcome to this Monday evening episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. You can go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. So today, and for this first segment at least, we have a very special guest considering the Penguins made a big trade last night. Sarah Avampado of Locked On Kings. Um, is probably a bit sad because Jeff Carter is no longer a member of the Kings after he brought two Stanley Cups to the city of Los Angeles and that franchise. So, uh, Sarah, how are you, how are you today? Is the morning still you know I guess in session here? <laughs> you know, it, it's it's one of those moves where as a fan I hate it, and you know I'm still the Kings just just before we started recording this they posted their like goodbye video and mm-hmm. you know it's full of Jeff Carter highlights. And I was like, oh man, I thought I had emotionally processed this. And then the highlight videos and the tributes and his wife tweeting and all this stuff. I was like, oh, no, now I have more feelings, uh, you know. So it, it's been a rough day, but it, it is good to, uh, as we have talked about before, I was born a Penguins fan. I grew up outside of Pittsburgh. So if he had to go to another team, at least he's going to one that, you know, part of me still roots for, uh, you know, from those hometown roots. Exactly. Yes. He is now on the best side of Pennsylvania, not on the east <laughs> side, where, of course, he was with the Philadelphia Flyers for so many years before that huge trade happened that sent him um, and Richards there um, all those years ago. Um you know, I'm sure you told me this before. I'm sure your family is obviously very happy since I think they're from Pittsburgh as well. Uh, it's I'm excited for this trade just because they're only eating. They're they're only going to be paying him 2.65 million somewhere around those lines. They gave up two conditional picks that you know who really cares? It's a conditional third that turns into a second. Um, I think if they either win the Stanley Cup or if they get to the Stanley Cup final, it's one of the two, and then the conditional fourth becomes a third. Um, I think if he plays in over 50 games next year, if I recall correctly. So all in all, you're basically almost getting him for free. (laughs) Um, That's, I think, the best way of looking at it. And um, it addresses a need because they don't need to play players like Mark Jankowski in the lineup anymore, Anthony Gangelo, if this team ever does get healthy. And it just gives them a lot of flexibility. But, you know, when he was with Los Angeles, just give us the lowdown. Was he... You know, mainly a right winger this year. Did he play center? Um, is his game still kind of there, even though he's 36 years of age now? Yeah, this year he mostly played right wing, um, and I think it, it was kind of a decision to move him to wing based off of you know his performance. And he is getting older, and so he's not quite as as spry as he used to be. Uh, so they they moved him to wing where he could be a little more impactful. Uh, and also they have a lot of young players coming up uh, who are going to be centers for the team. So it's worth it to kind of move him and start seeing how some of the young guys were going to do, but mostly wing, uh, but we'll kind of move into the center role if needed, or if the guy on his line at center is struggling or anything, it was kind of a hybrid sort of, of, of position for him. Uh, when you would watch him come down the ice, sometimes he would slide into the, the, the spot where you would usually expect a, a center to be. So uh, a little bit of a, dual role for him sometimes you know I I do think that 
he he this year has looked a lot better than he has the past couple of years. Um, whenever the preseason and well, we didn't really have a preseason, but whenever the season started, uh, you know, he had the speed back, he had the skating back, which had been an issue previously because of an injury uh, he had a couple of years ago. Uh, that he, it was basically he had a tendon in his ankle cut, and it's been a long road back to full health for him. But, you know, I, I think that he still, you, if you watch him skate, he still is very fast, you know, really good at getting into the zone and, and all that stuff. Uh, the, the shooting has maybe gone down a little bit, per se, like shooting percentage wise, but mm. I'll be curious to see how much of that was just playing on a Kings team that is chronically terrible at scoring goals <laughs> and how much of that is him and you know aging catching up with him but he still has the feet he still mostly has the hands I think that it was just he wasn't quite getting the puck quite as much as as he used to uh, in years past yeah the, the thing is his underlying numbers really haven't dipped this year if anything I was looking at them this morning like a couple other of my Penn Twitter buddies as well They've gone up. Um, if I, I went to evolving hockey and stuff, his expected goals for, especially on the power play, is up over one. Mm-hmm. His expected goals for per 60 at even strength is about at one. Um, his goals above, above replacement was way down in 2019 than last year, but it, it went up basically to even um, this year. So it looks like his game has started to turn around. A little bit, which is nice. You know, I'm glad that he's still a fast skater. I think a couple of people were tweeting out some videos that he can still gain the zone with authority. And mm-hmm. it looks like if you look at the numbers as well, he fires a lot of pucks, um, especially from the high danger areas. I think um, a buddy, uh, Jeff from Pensblog, wrote that I think of now of all the players on the Penguins, I think he's taken the most amount of shots. And especially mm-hmm. he's a really good volume shooter. Is that, I think, the best way? To describe him as well, I know his points total is only about 19 points in 40 games. Don't say a lot. And maybe his eight goals don't say a lot either. But it looks like it's not from a lack of trying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he he continually – I'm sure if you went, went and looked back at all the games the Kings played – more games than not, he will be one of, if not the leader in shots on goal uh, for the team. And that that's just looking at things that are actually counted as shots, not, you know, missed the net or anything like that. So he is a guy who, if you get him the puck, he loves to shoot it. Uh, and I think that's where some of the frustration has come with him this season is that, you know, his shooting percentage has maybe fallen off a little bit. He isn't shooting quite as much as he used to, uh, but it's still more than your average player, especially if you're talking about kind of a third line role. Um, you know, you're not necessarily expecting those kind of guys to jump in and provide a bunch of offense. And now you're going to have someone like Jeff Carter, uh, if he's playing a depth role. Uh, yeah, just takes a ton of shots and mm. hopefully starts converting on more of them uh, now that he will be on a team that maybe has some more better players to set him up for goals. Yeah, absolutely. I, there's mainly two um, places I think that's best for him in the lineup. I think my top one is him moving to center where he's played most of his career. It looks mm. like, especially with Philadelphia and I think a lot of prior years with L.A., and potentially centers Jason Zucker and Evan Rodriguez because I think that's you know a big upgrade than playing with Andreas Ethanasiu, who um, aside from scoring goals in his past is not very good if my valuation is correct. And then the other player on that line, um, Blake Lazat, who uh, correct me if I'm wrong, is is not that good of a player either. Um, so I think it's a big upgrade there. And then if they want to move him to wing. They can just put him up with Evgeny Malkin and Kasperi Kapanen and then have the Zucker, McCann, Rodriguez line 
as their third line, which has been really good. Their expected goal score, I think, has been like 55 56% in the small sample that they've been ever since Shino went out. So I think those are my top two places for him. But if I had to pick, I'd likely go up to center just because I think he's surrounded by two really good linemates and players who also uh, shoot the puck a lot as well. Yeah, I think that, I mean, first off, the idea of him playing with Evgeny Malkin just made, like, I, like now I want to see that. Like, yep. that would be, those are two two bigger guys who are both, you know, both competitors and both, you know, yeah, I, I want that. Even if even if that doesn't happen, I want that to happen. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think that, I don't know much about Evan Rodriguez other than the name, but uh, I, I feel like Jason Zucker is definitely an upgrade over uh, who Carter has been playing with a lot. Athanasiu has kind of turned around his season. Uh, last year, he was really disappointing for Detroit and for Edmonton, and then he got hurt. Uh, but this year, he he's doing really well, and he and Carter really um, kind of gelled very quickly in the first couple games they were put together uh, because they both have the same kind of speed. Um, you know, I, I think that if I were looking to to pair Carter with anyone, it would be that he needs a player who can keep up with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have seen him on lines with players who are a little slower, who aren't particularly good at, you know, getting to the right spot on the ice. And it always seems like a frustrating experience. There's a lot of pucks into feet and and stuff like that because they just aren't on the same page. But I think if you put him with with a hockey player who has the same kind of IQ in terms of hockey and this and a, a good foot speed, uh, you know, I think that'll be a really good matchup for him. Yeah, I, I'm really excited for that just because he is still really quick and Zucker is fast too. And so is Rodriguez. He's really come into his own the last few weeks, especially ever since coming back from the lineup. And, you know, he is what he is, a solid bottom six contributor. Um, I think he's close to the lead in 5v5 points with the team ever since Malkin went out. So I'm really excited to see what those three can do together. And I think people, some people were kind of saying like, well, you know, this is kind of like the Patrick Marlowe deal from last year. And I'm like, I kind of see this as the Billy Guerin deal from 2009, Mm -hmm. just because you have a lot more time to get like him on a line where he can be comfortable with. Whereas with Marlowe, it was two games, the season paused, and then they started back up again five months later. And then you put him on a line with Jerry McCann and Patrick Hornick was two players he really hasn't played with before. And then you saw what happened with those results. And I also yeah. think Carter at this point um, is a lot better than Marlowe is at this point. So um, that I think makes me a lot more comfortable. But Sarah, is there anything else on Carter that you want to tell the uh, Penguins fans here that, you know, anything going forward with him? Um, I think the other thing that is important about this trade for the Penguins is, you know, if anyone who's listening to this was a a fan and, you know, back in the day, quote unquote, and knew Jeff Carter during his tenure with Philadelphia and, you know, he kind of got drummed out of town for several reasons among them, not necessarily being the best of guys off the ice. Uh, If you are concerned that you are still getting that same guy, I have great news for you because Jeff Carter over the past 10 years has turned into an actual adult. Uh, he is kind of the dad of the team. Almost. <laughs> he is uh, really, you know, especially a few years ago when they, they gave him the a uh, after they you know did all the things with changing around Dustin Brown and Andre Kopitar and Captain C and people retiring and all that. Uh, he has really, really stepped up as a leader for this team, especially at a time that, you know, has not been the greatest 
hates for the Kings. And he has been, uh, you know, one of those like quiet guys. He hates doing media. He doesn't want to talk to you about anything. Uh, but in the room, he is really well regarded, uh, especially by the young players. Uh, so I, I think that I was saying this on, on the national show or on our live show that we did uh, today that, uh, you know, the, the, the young guys are going to learn a lot from him and he uh, is someone who just has really, really been important for the Kings uh, in, in that respect. So the Penguins, I know, are a team that I feel like every time I turn around, they've got six new guys on the roster who are all 21 years old who I've never heard of before. <laughs> uh, and not that Pittsburgh has any shortage of leadership with Sidney Crosby and Malkin and Chris Letang and all those guys, but I think that it can't hurt to add uh, yet, yet another guy who has been uh, really well thought of by his his teammates and the young guys who he has helped mentor and get adjusted to the league. So you're not getting the party guy from 2010 or whatever. You're getting an actual real grown up. Yes, you know this almost sounds like you know Team Dad, aka Matt Cullen, from all those years ago mm-hmm. when the Penguins signed yeah. him uh, for not only the 2016 Cup but the 2017 Cup as well. So you know. I'm sure the fans are probably going to take the team dad and run with it just like they did with uh, Matt Cullen all those years ago. But um, Sarah, I really appreciate you coming on for this segment. Um, where can everyone follow you on Twitter? And everyone, just please go listen to the Locked on Kings podcast. Um, that team is going to be good, I think, in the next couple years. Rob Blake is doing a really nice job with asset management as you know they're going through a rebuild. Yeah, it's going to be a fun time. Uh, I'm excited to, to see the Kings kind of return to being fun all the time, not just sometimes. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Right Said Sarah. The Kings Show is, of course, available Locked on Kings wherever you get podcasts. Also on Twitter at Locked on LA Kings. I have lots of Jeff Carter feelings more than can fit in this show. So uh, I will be talking about it on Tuesday's edition of Locked on Kings as well. Uh, so go, go ahead and find me there uh, and just experience me being sad on Twitter. Uh, and watching a lot more Penguins games than I have recently. <laughs> yes, this this team is fun to watch. So um, especially when they're going to get some players back. So um, they're definitely must see TV as this is a dogfight in the East Division right now. Um, but like I said, Sarah, thank you so much for coming on, and definitely go listen to that Kings episode on Tuesday when she shares all her feelings on Jeff Carter. So um, well, we still have a lot more to get to coming up for the rest of the show. But before that, it is time to talk about. Bilt Bar, there's 18 amazing flavors, six new flavors, cookies and cream, carrot cake, apple, almond, crisp, and caramel brownie, the 12 originals, raspberry, coconut, almond, German chocolate, and peanut butter. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. They're low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and high fiber. One of my favorite flavors is still the cookies and cream, 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams of net carbs. You can go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. That is promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. All right, welcome back to this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow this show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. So to get to the rest of the stuff for today, um, I guess I'll just touch on the rest of the trade deadline before I recap the Penguins' big win against the Devils on Sunday. A 5-2 win it was for Pittsburgh. Um, it was pretty dull for the most of it until the very end. Uh, Washington makes a monstrous move, acquiring a player that I had wanted the Penguins to get this trade deadline, and Anthony Mantha from the Detroit Red Wings, but it did not come cheap. Uh, they had to part with their first-round pick, their second-round pick, Jacob Ferrana, who is probably one of the more underrated players in the league, and Richard Ponick. I mean, Ponick is not that good. He's basically a depth forward at this point in his career. But the underlying numbers between Verona and Mantha are very similar. For whatever reason, 
Um, this is the third coaching staff that did not really seem to like Verona. I guess his defensive impact was not that good. But this is a good playmaker and a good goal scorer. I mean, it almost seemed like every shift he was out against the Penguins, um, he would score a goal. I think in 16 career games against them, he had seven goals, if I'm not mistaken. Of course, the big one, you know, game five of that series in 2018. Sears was tied in. The game was 3-3. Three to three with less than five minutes left, and Holpe had just made a monster save on Dumoulin, they come back right down the other way, and, and Verona scores, and you know, the, basically the series um, ends right at that point, just because it, it looked there that it was like, okay, this seems different for the Capitals right now, and you know, sure enough, it was, they went on to win that series in six games, but I think that's obviously the big move of the deadline, and I think this shows that Washington is also all in for probably one of the final times this offseason. I mean, well, final times this season, excuse me, just because Ovechkin's like, what, 34, 35 now, Backstrom's up there in Asia. I think Ovechkin's contract is up after this year. It's either up after this year or next year, and he's going to be wanting an extension. I'll be curious to see what that extension looks like. It's probably going to be no more than three to four years just to finish his NHL career there, and then he maybe goes back to Russia and play in the KHL for a year or two before finally calling it quits for his hockey career. So, you know, they're gearing up for one last run or two with the Ovechkin-Backstrom era. I mean, that's unexpected. They already have a cup for them, but, you know, when one is probably not enough for them, you know, they're obviously getting over two. He's the best pure goal scorer of all time. Nicholas Backstrom is one of the more underrated players of this generation. They still have TJ Oshie. They still have John Carlson. Two decent goaltenders. I know their defense is not that good, and they may have some depth problems at forward, even with Mantha on there. I mean, it just I think they overpaid for him. But I think in the long run, well, in the short term, excuse me, I think Washington's going to be better off for it. But I think in the long run, Detroit is going to win that deal. I mean, Steve Eiserman did not just give away Anthony Mantha. I mean, he's too smart for that. He did very well with a straight getting their first two picks plus Jacob Ron. I mean, you get those three assets for Anthony Mantha. That, that's a very solid job. So like I said, I think it's an overpay. But with what the Capitals are doing, I understand why they did it because this is win-now mode and they only have a year or two left before they're going to have to strip down just like the Penguins. So those are my thoughts on that deal. Other deals from today, I mean, Sam Bennett being traded for a second-round pick and a prospect, that's just pathetic. I don't know what the hell the Panthers are doing with that deal. I mean, he literally got more in return than Taylor Hall did. And let's just get to that Taylor Hall situation. Um, the Sabres only get back a second-round pick plus Anders Bork. He had been healthy scratch, I think, the last five to six games. That's embarrassing that, you know, we have teams and general managers paying first-round picks for Nick Foligno and David Savard, but the Sabres can't even get a first-round pick back for Taylor Hall. Yes, I understand Taylor Hall is not having that good of a season. He only has two goals. His shooting percentage is below 2.5%. I get that. But it's like, I mean, come on, people. Like, that's just stupidity to me that it's only a second-round pick plus underscore plus they're eating half that salary. That is just really dumb to me. Um, other small, there, all, all the other deals today were really small. I mean, you saw Adam Gaudet get traded. Jordy Ben got traded. Um, Eric Gustafson got dealt. Scott Lawton was signed with the Flyers. We talk about a weird deal. Five years, three million per. You don't give a bottom six player five years like that. I mean, I know the Penguins did with Brandon Tanev, and we rightfully so scolded, and then I kind of just thought, you know, who the hell cares just because the Penguins are going to suck at that point. But the Flyers are just a middling team, so they can't really afford to be giving term to someone like Scott Lawton, especially at five years. Like, that's just really dumb, if you ask me. And the Capitals also traded for Michael Roffel. He doesn't really move the needle much. I'm sure he's probably not even going to play there. He had, I think, he has eight points in 34 games. Not really that good. I'm trying to think of other deals that happened today that I kind of laughed at. 
Um, like I say, it was mainly just the Sam Bennett one. You know, the Anthony Mantham one was all obviously pretty big. You know, this deadline was pretty dull. I mean, that's to be expected. But obviously, you know, Boston did get better. The East playoffs are going to be a gauntlet. It's going to be a bloodbath. You know, every team with those four teams got better. You didn't see the other four teams make moves for obvious reasons. Those other four teams are not going to get in. There is, what, basically four weeks left of the regular season right now. It's, like I said, yeah, it is very unlikely that you see one of the bottom four teams in this division um, make it. That, that's for sure. But I guess, you know, my big takeaway with the deadline, I just, I don't understand why teams value players like Nick Foligno and David Savard so highly that they have to get first round picks in return for them. But then Taylor Hall only gets a second round pick plus not even that good of a player and then he retains half his salary. I mean, that's just hilarious to me. It just really goes to show how stupid NHL GMs are at their jobs. And it's just, it's only going to continue. So I had to laugh at it. But okay. Before we do get to the next segment and we touch on the game from Sunday night, it's time to talk about Ben Online. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. Ben Online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. You can get real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet Online has your cover for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up for. You can head to the website, betaline.ag, or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. That is BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts with a promo code LOCKEDON. All right, welcome back to this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. So Penguins got to three and one and one versus the Devils on Sunday night. They are now 13 and three and one combined versus the Devils, Sabres, and the Rangers this season, taking care of business like they need to do against those three teams. They only have seven combined games left, games left, excuse me, against those three teams, four left against Buffalo. Uh, two of them will actually be this coming weekend, and three left against New Jersey. All of them will be at PPG Paints Arena, and that will begin uh, next week after those games against Buffalo. I um, mean, got to continue to bang those points. The Penguins are only two points outside the East Division lead, so there is still a very real chance that the Penguins can make a run at this thing and actually win the division. Would it mean that much? Probably not, but would it still be an amazing accomplishment that they are able to win the division in a year that they have been battling injuries like you know we just haven't seen and you know honestly since last year just because they get hurt every year at this point but for the game overall I thought in that first period they came out blitz in New Jersey they had no answer for them second period New Jersey took it to them a little bit I thought the Penguins were a bit fortunate to be up two to one heading into the third but then the third you know that was one of their better periods of the season they locked down defensively I think against New Jersey um, I think they only allowed just a couple high danger chances at 5v5 for the Devils and you know besides that PK Subban goal they really weren't threatening all period and speaking of that Subban goal, no idea how that counted. I mean, that's just NHL being stupid with goaltender interference. There were some people that were kind of annoyed that Mike Sullivan didn't decide to challenge it. I was personally fine with it. I mean, would you all really want the Penguins penalty kill to go out there if he loses that challenge? Yeah, I don't think so. It's one of the worst units in the league. And there's probably a 70% chance or higher that that, that game is 4-3 to three, um, if he loses that challenge. And then they... End up making it with a power play goal. And then, you know, it's basically clench butt cheek season for the rest of that game. But overall performances from the Penguins, great to see Jake Gensel get a hat trick. I believe that is now 20 goals from him. The fourth consecutive season that he has scored 20 goals 
or better. I'm going to keep saying it. He is a top five pure goal scorer in this league. A hell of a playmaker as well. He's averaging over a point per game right now for Pittsburgh this season. And, my, and did I tell you that he only makes $6 million per? I, as I said last week, everyone, on the open market, if he were to hit the open market right now, this is a player that would command 7 to $7.5 million per or something like that. He is one of the best at his position, and rightfully so. He's an elite player in this league. I think more people need to start talking about him as such. And it's not just that because he plays with Sidney Crosby. No, he is an elite player in his own right. And he just always goes to those goal-scoring areas, you know, as you saw with those three yesterday. Um, and what a pass on one of them from Brian Russ on the power play. Power play's really heated up these last few games. I believe it's almost top 10 in the league now. I think they have goals in, like, what, five of the last six games of the power play. You know, who knew that Evgeny Malkin going out was the big fix to the power play, but it's been awesome ever since he went out. Great to see the power play really coming on. You know, it just almost feel like ancient times where we were just shitting on the power play every time on this podcast and every game. Um, now we just got to get the PK at least up to average and they'll be fine special team size. So you can win games, I think, with a good power play like this and a not so good penalty kill. But if you can get that penalty kill back up to where it was, you know, the prior seasons and continue to have this kind of power play, um, we could be really looking at something special here for Pittsburgh. I mean, also great to see Colton Sevier um, get on the score sheet twice last night. That is now three goals in his last two games. You know, who knew putting him on waivers would do the trick and get him to start scoring goals? It's always nice to see some of the depth uh, players who have not been playing that well um, get it on the, on the score sheet, especially because he probably is not going to be in the starting lineup for the playoffs. Um, there were some injury updates today from Ron Hextall for after the trade deadline press conference. He said Kasperi Kaepernick is expected to return in the next week and a half to two weeks. Evgeny Malkin, probably, I think, in the next two to three weeks, he said before the regular season ends. He said Tanev, Bo, that, that, this is the bad news. Brandon Tanev will not return for the rest of the regular season, and we, he is a will-see at this point for the playoffs. So really hoping we can get Tanev back for the start of round one so they can reunite that Astros Bluger Tanev line because he had been so good before he got hurt this year, and it's just really unfortunate that he's out um, for a while now. Honestly, out for the next four weeks, but still good news on Captain. Good news on Gino, and then, of course, Jeff Carter will be in the lineup, I think, on Thursday. He's going to um, practice tomorrow with the team or if they're going to do an off-ice workout, but he's definitely going to practice whenever they practice next, and I assume he will be in the lineup. I'll be curious to see if they put him at center or wing. But, you know, those were my main takeaways from the game. Just a good lockdown performance. Tristan Jari, very nice in his return start after, you know, that game against the Rangers. I know he didn't play well in one of them, but then he bounced back after that. And then this game as well, played very good. Again, so that's two consecutive good starts after Jari had a bit of a stinker. So now the goaltenders back to playing the hockey that we're used to seeing of them. I'm assuming on Thursday we'll see Jari, and then uh, Saturday, Sunday, they'll split Jari to Smith, that is, um, who plays who. It doesn't really matter which one starts which, just because they're both 3 o'clock starts for that weekend. Um, you know, the, the Devils play hard. You know, I'll give them that. They always give the Penguins fits, even though Pittsburgh is 3-2 and two overall against them this year. And they have points in four of the five games. That's a team that competes hard. They don't quit. This, this doesn't look like a Buffalo team that we saw earlier in the season. Um, that's going to be a good team, I think, in a few years, hopefully. I really like watching Jack Hughes. I think he's going to have a mini McKinnon breakout sooner rather than later. Just get him some talent to play around. I mean, I think that's the big thing. I mean, obviously, not having Nico Heischer is a big loss. He's a turned into a great two-way player. Um, but they, they just got to get um, Jack Hughes some help because I really think he's going to turn into a special player here at some point. But Pittsburgh did what they needed to do. They got the two points, and now we'll still have a couple days off before the team faces the Flyers for the sixth 
uh, time in the last time at PPG Paints Arena for this season on Thursday. But that'll do it for this episode of the Lockdown Penguins podcast. I really hope, appreciate you all listening to this one. Hope you all got something out of it, and I'll be back um, tomorrow for another episode on the podcast. I'll talk to you all then.